thank you for joining me on another episode of She Leads Now podcast, where we help career and entrepreneurial women gain the tools to develop a success mindset, create winning strategies, build collaborative relationships, and take bold action towards creating impact and fulfillment in their lives and careers. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I'm on a mission to awaken and activate women and emerging leaders so they can tap into their innate leadership ability, elevate their influence, and create the impact they were destined to make. If you're ready to up-level your confidence, courage, and influence, you've come to the right place. Join me weekly for insights, strategies, and resources to help you grow, develop, and embody the leader you were meant to be so that you can make the impact you know you are called to make and establish the legacy you've always dreamed. The world eagerly awaits the emergence of your brilliance, impact, and influence. So with that, let's dive into this week's episode. Hello and happy Wednesday. I'm excited about our conversation here for the Lead Hership in Action series with my guest, Ann Sullivan. Ann has held executive level human resources, organizational development, and training roles with Life Technologies, PepsiCo, Yum Brands, and Callaway Golf. Her experience as a generalist and specialist in corporate and field positions across highly competitive dynamic industries makes her a uniquely qualified and versatile professional. So very much like me, uh, Anne is what I like to call a corporate dropout. Um, And she has taken all of her skills from her time in corporate and is now leveraging it to support organizations looking to uh, up-level their leadership, uh, build their organizational structure, and all things HR. So with that, welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you so much. What a what a wonderful introduction. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So we are reviving our conversation uh, literally a year ago, which sounds crazy to me, um, around you know the shifts in leadership and how women are showing up or have been challenged, if you will. And so before we get into kind of where are we today, if you could just kind of walk us through just really the high level or the most significant career milestones or catalysts that you've experienced thus far. Oh, my goodness. You always ask the best questions. Um, So many things going on, I think, in the landscape that are actually shaping some of the conversations at work. I think this idea of women and mental load that they carry, if you've been aware of that conversation, you know, that that in their personal relationships, that women are constantly, right, they have a running to-do list, um, you know, are their partners uh, taking the uh, the mental load? Are they sharing it? Are they participating? Or is it, hey, tell me what to do, and now I have one more thing to do? And then another thing that um, a cultural phenomenon um, that really shaped, I think, some dialogue is um, the Barbie movie, right? Because that wonderful speech that America Ferrara gives um, about women and, you know, you know, make sure you stand out, but not too much. And, you know, all the dichotomies and contradictions that that we've internalized. So um I'm I'm seeing dialogue around that um, in client organizations and and talking about that. Um, and I saw a nice intersection with your book, but we we can talk about that later. Absolutely. So tell us about you. So I know you worked uh, at several different large scale companies. 
I had some really good experiences and then had some not so great experiences that kind of really helped you shape kind of what that ideal career path would be for you. So, you know, way before there was a great resignation, like you had decided this was not working for me and made that leap and have been in your business for quite some time. So take us back to, and and we'll pretend that it's like 2020 or 2021 when everybody was doing it. What were some of those, um, what were some of those decision points, if you will, where you started to feel like, you know, perhaps there's a different path for me or perhaps, Perhaps I can carve a different path and still be effective as a leader, as a woman who is balancing work and life and everything else in between. Yeah, I would say my epiphany actually happened um, in 2004. Um, my um, my youngest was born in, in two, or my oldest, excuse me, was born in 2003, and. Um, I had always felt really competent in the workplace, a little less so as a new mom. Um, But I had sort of bought into this idea that, you know, you should be able to balance it, right? Like there is a way to do this. And this is before lean in and some of the, you know, the other things that came out. Um, And I just realized that there was, it it just, one day I just woke up and realized like, I, I can't, like, I literally can't, I was breaking down physically. I was definitely like emotionally, mentally, like not at at my best. And, um, it, I just realized like, I, I will be on a better path if I can chart it and, and figure out where these pieces fall. But having a a job that, you know, required 90 hours of, of work a week, and that's not an exaggeration was incompatible with having, you know, a marriage, let alone a child, so, so all those shifting things. So yeah, that's when I started down the path. So when everything happened with the pandemic and the great resignation, I, I kind of felt like people were cluing into what I had stumbled into, you know, out of just necessity all those years ago that like, yeah, it is, you can have it all, but you have to be willing to decide which parts of your life you, you want to give more attention to and which things are less important now. Yeah, yeah. And funny enough, I mean, maybe not funny enough. I mean, this is this is a challenge that, you know, women have had for a very, very long time. And yeah. it's almost like it, it wasn't until the last couple of years where we collectively felt like we had permission to say this is too much or yeah. this is not working um, and to be bold and courageous enough to almost, you know, divert from the traditional path of you get your six weeks, <laughs> you get it together, you're back in the office, like nothing ever happened. And more and more, you know, the last few years, especially as it relates to mental health and postpartum and yeah. just the drain, um, like you said, like the the mental load and and everything else that has been put on women, more and more that's been brought to the spotlight which I think in in some cases it's sad, right, that it's taken so long. Um, but I also see that there are some organizations who are responding to that, who really, it's almost like until the husband, well, I shouldn't say that, but we'll say uh, that they're recognizing that it, it was a heavy load and a heavy expectation to expect. And so a lot of companies, as I've seen it, They've, you know, extended parental leave or they've made uh, flexibility or they've made the work week, if you will, more flexible towards working mothers. Uh, but there's still there's still an unbalance um, or imbalance with regards to 
the load that women carry both inside the workplace and outside of the workplace. So you mentioned that you're you're starting to see even at your clients that they're talking about that. So what I guess what solutions are our clients looking to implement to help address that? Well, you named some of them, you know, looking at more, if you will, family friendly things. And I feel like those are almost the low hanging fruits piece of this, right? Like maybe six weeks after pushing an entire human body out of your, you know, or if you've been through an adoption, I mean, you, you, there's still so much there. And I think that's a low hanging fruit. Yes, we should, you know, we should actually look to other countries and, and say, what are they doing? You know, countries in Europe where you get a year, you know, or more. Um, and then we're still looking at it too narrowly when we talk about the low hanging fruit, because women have certain years in which if they want to have kids, right, they're going to have them. And some people prefer to have their kids closer together. Some spread them out, some by choice, some not by choice, right? You get pregnant when you get pregnant or you adopt when you adopt, or you get a foster child or, you know, you have a family member in need. And so, um, this idea that, you know, well, if we solve this one thing where we give them more than six weeks or, you know, we give them a few extra months or beyond the 12 weeks with FEMLA, et cetera, it's like that may not be enough when you may have another child entering your, your, your family. It's very, you know, so I, if we really want to retain women, you know, in a meaningful way, we, we can't just be like, oh, well, you can step out for this amount of time and then come back in. It's like, we're, we need, we actually need more flexibility. We need, you know, more creative solutions than just, oh, we'll give you some extra leave for this extra child that's come into your life. So, um, so that's the low hanging fruit. Um, and I, I almost feel like it's just really obvious, but, um, you know, how is mental load showing up in terms of, can a woman really be at her best if she's, you know, carrying all the mental load into the workplace, right? Um, if she's on a project team, is she carrying more of the mental load than, than other people on the team? Um, these are the kinds of things that we need to talk about. What, um, what messages are we giving women that are dichotomies or incompatible, right? Like in the Barbie movies, you know, such as, you know, am I viewing this person through a lens that is based on societal norms of what a woman should be? And, and there's actually a contradiction there. It, it doesn't make sense that women are rated very high for potential, but not um, it doesn't show up necessarily in their performance reviews. That that's a, that's a breakdown. It doesn't make sense that women still earn less than men, especially when you factor out like, okay, maybe women, you know, did take a step off purposefully, you know, or not for family things um, factor that out. Why, why is a, a woman, you know, paid less than a man, even without that obligation? Right, right. Why are men able to go back after having a child and not miss a beat? Right. Like, these are the questions we need to ask. Yeah. And the crazy thing is the questions is being asked. The conversations are being had, but for some reason, no, no solutions are, are being brought to it. And, and especially in a situation like this, right? Everyone, what everyone's expectations are different. So when you look at you know, the five generations in the workforce and this mm -hmm. argument around hybrid work versus work from home versus everything like, you know, there's a million different polls to help support any one group's preference or desire. And so as an organizational leader or, you know, someone making those decisions on, well, how do we create like 
maybe not the the most perfect uh, policy or rule or whatever strategy, but one that suits the most amount of people. And we know this, like not everyone's going to be satisfied. Not everyone's going to be happy. There's not one solution that helps support but I, I do agree with you that some of the low hanging fruit has been low hanging fruit. Like it's on the ground at this point. It's not oh, even it's running. It's been there. We've known that six weeks was not enough or that even 12. Yeah. My gosh, if you, anyone who's had a, a, a child, you know, under the age of a year and trying to get their sleep schedule set, you know, you get it like, and you do get your kid into a rhythm, but then they teeth or they get sick or like, it just all goes out the window. Yeah. And, and guess who's caring for that child most of the time? Right, right. And also, yeah. too, within the last uh, few years, and, and maybe it's just my age group now, um, or, you know, just the individuals that I, I have within my network, but I'm seeing more and more around postpartum mm-hmm. and how that affects a woman, you know, not just emotionally, but like, I couldn't imagine it being in that state of, you know, uh, fluctuation, if you will, inside and having to show up at work, regardless of whether it's in person or over Zoom or Teams or whatever, and still, you know, function like you're supposed to or function like nothing's happened or function like you don't feel out of control. And so I'm curious, have you seen any organizations outside of, you know, upping the resources through like Better Up and some of these other um, programs, well-being programs that they brought in, that they are creating spaces where uh, women feel vulnerable and safe enough to kind of share, this is where I'm at. And if I'm if I'm not showing up at 110%, it's not because I'm incompetent. It's because I have a lot else going on that I'm just trying to work through. Um, I don't know that I've seen any organization deal with that in a, in a way that allows for what someone is, I mean, there's the balance, right? In the end, workplaces are not, they're not designed to be social workers, right? But at the same time, there's work that needs to get done. And if it's not getting done, someone has to do it. Um, I think some of it is, you know, we need to go back to some basics in OD and and look at what work needs to be done. And um, what do we put, you know, against it? Most workplaces are extremely short staffed and someone has to make up that work. So I think that plays into it. Um, you know, most, most women, and if someone asked me, if I had a friend or a colleague asked me, Hey, I'm dealing with this, what should I do? My advice would not be like, Oh, go be vulnerable and and speak to this person that you, I'm serious. I would not say that. I'd be like, you need a doctor to put you out. (laughs) I mean, that would be get a note. It's not hard. Um, and take care of yourself, right? Get, use that time. Um, but no, I, I can't think of one workplace where I think it's, like safe on some level, even if you have a supportive manager, it, it has to be all the way across the board. Um, so, you know, it is really difficult, like you said, to, to craft the right policy for everyone. But I do think we need to spend, if we want to do the deeper work, it's looking at how our workplace is structured, how is work set up and, and, you know, maybe we need to look at changing how, how things get done and, and how much is assigned to a person. Um, one of the reasons I got off the corporate treadmill was literally nothing ever got done. You know, um, you talk about carrying a mental load with that as you're driving home and you're or driving to or in the shower the next day or trying to sleep. Like you're just constantly thinking about what didn't get done. Yeah, um, yeah. 
then understaffing shows up a lot faster in places like ERs and, you know, um, hospitals and places like that, where there's, you know, high, high proportion of women in nursing positions. And, um, but in, in corporate, typical corporate jobs, we don't think about the accountant or the HR person or the IT person, right. That is pulling their hair out, running around Mach 5 with their hair on fire. They don't, there's not that grace, if you will, to be able to do what you're describing. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so a couple of of, of thoughts that I kind of want to dissect here. So going back to, I have not seen the Barbie movie. Shame on me. Yes. (laughs) Um, I have not seen it up too much. You might be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard mixed reviews, but uh, America fair is, you know, her, her statements, if you will, that's the one that yeah. um, people people speak out about. And I actually had a client reach out to me recently um, to really talk about this, uh, the superwoman syndrome, right? There's mm-hmm. a syndrome for all of us, apparently. And so I had never heard the term superwoman syndrome. It was more so like, oh, <laughs> it's almost like imposter syndrome, like until somebody put a name to it, like you didn't, you didn't know that it was a thing or that other people dealt with it. But with superwoman syndrome, it was more so around, or the focus is really around women's, well, it's society's, uh, you know, sense of obligation or the obligation that they put on women, but also the obligation that women put on themselves to have to be all of the things to everyone, right? So the nurturer, the caretaker at home and at work, the person who, you know, even though they're a VP, they're taking notes during the meeting and the person who like everyone turns to for the answers or for direction and whatnot. And so I'm hearing more and more that the the message is we we don't want to be superwoman because that's what is expected of us. But the question still remains, how do we stop? And I have some thoughts about this, but I'm curious about your thoughts. Uh, How do you stop playing that role once you recognize that, yes, perhaps you've been put in a position where all of the chips fall on you, so to speak? How do you begin to set those boundaries so that you are not seen as superwoman and you don't feel obligated to play that role? So I love your question. Again, as always, you ask really insightful questions. Um, I think the first thing is being aware of, you know, what what is my own thought process around this, right? What, What assumptions have I internalized about what my expectations are? And am I happy with that? Is that fair? Does it represent right what I should be doing in this role? Am I, is it allowing me to to do the role or perform in the way that I want to? And then where you see those disconnects, be very clear on what they are and and put together what you want to do. If you want to, for example, shed something, I think then you need to go have that conversation and be able to support it in business terms as to why um, it will benefit the organization if you are focused on these higher order priority things. Um, you know, setting a boundary is is not about telling other people what they can and cannot do. It's what you will not accept, right? But being able to communicate that in a way that, you know, links the benefit, what's in it for the organization, what's in it for your boss, what's in it for the team. Um, otherwise, you're, I hate to say it, you're, you're not going it, to, it's terrible to be in your own head this way, but like you're not going to come across as someone who's trying to solve a problem. You're going to come across as someone who's complaining about something. Yeah. And so along those lines of setting boundaries, because I I know that's a work in progress for me, um, that incorporates so much of, you know, being able to just say no, 
or not right now, or, you know, negotiating time or negotiating resources. It's something that I feel like many of us are learning at, you know, various stages within our careers, just because, again, it goes back to the younger experiences, right? Like men and women, I don't think any one of us are actually taught how to set boundaries. But I, I do think that there are clear messages, even when we're younger, that, you know, it's not polite or it's not nice to yeah. say no or, you know, approach a certain way. And that messaging comes to to young girls more so than it does um, our, our boys, the male counterparts. So as it relates to assertive communication and one of the things that I, I love about Anne, for those of you who are watching or who are listening, she does not mix words like she <laughs> you I, I love and appreciate people who what you see is what you get and you know that they are being honest that they are being truthful and it's done in a way where it's compassionate it's empathetic and it's with love but it's honest and so I'm curious like how what were some of the earlier moments that allowed you to build up this confidence to just show up as you and show up as, you know, as being honest, but respectful and professional and all those things. Well, thank you for the compliment. First of all, um, humor is, is probably one of the, the best right things to throw into the mix because you, you can point something out in a way that isn't going to be offensive to someone or put them on the spot. Um, So that can be helpful. You know, before we started, you and I were just briefly chatting and, you know, you mentioned the, the, the man in the meeting, right. Who pipes up and and makes the recommendation you did less than a minute ago. And, and everyone's like, wow. (laughs) So, you know, how, how I have handled that in the past has been like, you know, oh my gosh, did anyone see my lips move when he said my idea, (laughs) which I just brought up a minute ago. Um, So, you know, little things like that, the humor helps. Um, I believe strongly in taking your loyalty oath. Um, that's a technique that really helps, right? So, um, that would go something like, um, Sabine, I hear you. Um, and I would, you know, summarize what you said. I owe it to you to tell you the upside and the downside of, you know, how this could impact whatever, or what you're proposing, um, because I, I see a few things. Are you open to that conversation? And very rarely do people say, no, I don't want to hear what you have to say because I care about you and I don't want us or you to go down the wrong path. So the loyalty oath is important. And then another, sometimes something that really helps more on the personal side, but remember, we're trying to balance all of our mental load, not just the, the workload. Um and this, I can't take credit for this. This was given to me by a dear friend. Um you know, we get sucked into as women volunteering for um, the kids party, the bake sale, the this, the that, and, 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 you know, this fundraiser, this cause. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do these things. I'm just saying sometimes we are at capacity or beyond it. And, and then we're being asked to do one more thing and we can't. Uh, like I've been asked to join not-for-profit boards and it's it sounds great, but boy, is that going to be a lot of work. Um, and so not giving an explanation right? We've been conditioned as women to have to have a good reason. And so what I say is to this fabulous offer or this, you know, request, I'd love to, but it's just not possible. Mm. How can you argue with that? I'd love to, but it's just not possible. And if they even dare to come back with something after that, you just repeat it. 
I know it's really important. It it really bothers me too that you know we don't have enough women running for office, or you know you're you're down two seats on this very important thing. I I'd love to, but it's just not possible. I love that. I love that. The sometimes you you have to repeat it for the people in the back or for the people who pretend like they didn't just hear you say no. Uh, like somehow they can guilt you into that. And so I I love the loyalty oath. Thank you for bringing that up. I was hoping you would because um, I think that that's that's so important and and that's a you know that's a masterful skill in communication, right? So you in that you are building trust. You are reaffirming that individual. You are reaffirming that you have their best interest at heart. And then you're also giving them the honest truth. So any yeah. uh, any fears, any reservations, anything that they would have had, you've already dismantled that. And they're completely open to hearing what you have to say. Um, and so for those of you who are listening or who are watching live, uh, if you have to rewind that to catch that back on how she did that, I encourage you to do so because that is a powerful skill to master. And then the other one around, you know, saying no or setting boundaries, I think is important. One of the ones that I've I've been implementing is, you know, I really appreciate you thinking of me. However, I don't have the capacity to support that request. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's it. There, <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. There have been times where I've sat at this computer like, okay, do I give an explanation? Do I not give an explanation? And then I had to like undo. And so it still takes work to get to that place. But just, you know, reminding yourself that one, no is a complete answer. And yeah. if no doesn't sit well with you, that you can still say no without having to give an explanation. Um, and then one thing that I wanted to add to that, I had somebody just recently who um, who wanted me to partner on something with them. And, you know, the normal me or the old me would have felt like I had to react right in that moment. Um, but in this particular set case, I said, OK, you know what? I need a couple days to think about this. And that for me has been a game game changer because it allows me to process my emotions. It allows my subconscious mind to give me all of the worst case scenarios. It allows me to you know, take a realistic view because I think I could do all the things, right? But take a realistic view at what's on my calendar, what are the expectations? And when it's a clear, when I've given myself that space and I can clearly see that I won't be able to perform whatever it is that this person is asking me, or it's completely outside of my wheelhouse. Then when I go back and say, you know what, I've given this some thought and this is not a this is not the best fit. Sometimes I may say why and sometimes I may not, but at least when I say no at that point, I feel confident that I'm saying no because I've done the work and I've processed it and my no is a no or vice versa. If it's going to be a yes, my yes is a yes because I've done the analysis to really figure out can I support this request? I like that. Um, yeah, we we do sometimes feel pressured to give an answer in the moment, and it is okay to say I I'd like to think about it and get back with you. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I just wanted to add um, with the loyalty oath. It it's not gimmicky. It it really has to come from a real place, or you've shot yourself and the relationship in the foot. So, you know. Um, it's more than a technique. It's genuinely understanding the context, the individual, you know, what the situation is. You really do have to be committed to someone else's success in order to be able to do that. And, and I'm not implying that any of your listeners, you know, would, but it, it's not a gimmicky thing. And especially if you're on the receiving end of it, 
Um, you might be thinking like, wait, I just heard a podcast where they talked about this. Am I, am I being loyal to Yoast right now? Um, so again, it has to come from a really, really, a, a real place. It, it, it's not a gimmick. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And thank you for clarifying that. So you uh, were on episode 51, I believe. Um, I know it feels so far away. We're, we're coming up on 100. Uh, it's crazy. It's just, I can't believe that I talked to you a year ago. That, that as always, those are the things that blow my mind. Time's yes. a weird concept, right? Time flies. When you're older, it flies. Yes. <laughs> when you're young, it, it, it's like a snail. Um, yeah. But uh, all good. It makes us appreciate it uh, much more. And so for those of you who are watching or listening, you know, be sure to go back, uh, listen to Anne's Nuggets of Wisdom from uh, episode 51. While a lot has changed, it also seems like, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. So uh, tune into that. And for those of you who are listening, real quick announcements. I am opening up the doors to She Leads Network officially uh, this month. And so be on the lookout, check out the show notes for the details for She Leads Network. Um, and I look forward to, to meeting and engaging with those of you who will uh, join me. So with that, Anne, I, I'm going to share your desired legacy, and then I'm going to ask if it's still true, and then we'll go <laughs> into your recommended book. So you're, I'm going to share your advi advice to younger self too, because I, I needed that reminder this morning. So uh, advice to your younger self is it's okay to be you. It's okay to speak up. You have a voice and ask for feedback more often. And then the desired legacy is to be someone who told the truth in a supportive manner in order to learn and grow together. Does that still hold? That's pretty good stuff. <laughs> Did you even remember you said that? You know, what's really funny is um, I think if you asked me that question organically now, I'd, I'd have some version of the same answer, just yeah. the the value, like in, you're going to get into this in a moment in, in, in books, but I, the book I just most recently read was Leadership Reloaded. Um, and um, your book echoes the whole thing about asking feedback and having a team and you know, your, your personal board of directors, it's so critical to your growth and, and navigating these things, um, in your career. So, yeah, no, I, I'd say the wisdom holds, um, yeah, yeah. Just, I think it's, I think, I think it stood the test of time, even though it's only been a year, I think it stood the test of time. Well, that's awesome. I'm happy to hear that. And I, again, I know we, we evolve, we change, we, we, we have different shifts, but I, that piece about being someone being uh, someone who told the truth, I yeah. think that that is so rooted in your identity. And to your point, I honestly believe that your answer would have been somewhere along those lines. Um, so thank you for that. And for those of you uh, I probably should have held this up before, but if you have not already purchased your copy of Leadership Reloaded, I invite you to do so. It is available on Amazon and it will certainly be linked in the show notes. So are there other books? I mean, I know Leadership Reloaded is a great one, but are there any other books that you would uh, recommend as far as, you know, being uh, supportive to those who are in leadership, who are in HR, who are just trying to navigate life at this point? Um, so I have a weird recommendation for you. It's an old book, but it's one that I reread recently. Um, I would have to go grab it to figure out who the author is because it's been a long time, but it's called How to Forgive When You Don't Know How. 
and it's an older book, um, but it's so valuable. Um, it, it is probably something that shaped my, my life's journey quite a bit and uh, came at a very good time. And it, it really does help us understand the role of forgiveness in our lives and what it really means to forgive um, and why we do it. So it's very good. I love that. It will be in the show notes for those of you who are listening to the podcast. So yes, it's really good. It's for anyone that has ever felt even slightly wronged or in the right, right <laughs> in a situation and, yeah. and navigating that very important work in there. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. So, mm-hmm. and for those of who are watching uh, live or who are listening to the podcast, if they want to connect with you, if they want to learn more about the work that you do and potentially partner with you, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Where do you hang out? Where do I hang out? In my home, mostly at my <laughs> office or at a client's site. Um, so uh, my website, very long, innovativehrresources.com. Um, call me. Uh, you know, if you look it up, my, my phone number's on there. Um, I respond to emails. I'm, I'm pretty responsive all the way around. Um, yes, so yeah, just, yeah, just, just reach out. I'm happy to, to chat and, uh, to talk with folks and connect. All right. And LinkedIn as well. And I will include your, your link to the website as well as LinkedIn with that. Thank you so much, Anne, for joining me on this conversation of the during the Lead Hership in Action series. For those of you who are tuned in, thank you so much for joining. We will be back next week with another amazing powerhouse. With that, have a wonderful rest of the week and we will talk soon. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of She Leads Now. If you found today's episode helpful or got a piece of insight that you plan to implement in your business or organization, I would love to hear from you. Connect with me on LinkedIn at Sabine Gideon, that's my handle, and send me a private message or feel free to go ahead and leave a review on either Apple or Spotify. I also invite you to share this episode with anyone in your network who you think might benefit from this content. Lastly, be sure to check the show notes and the description below for links to resources, including relevant downloads, articles, and any upcoming training. Until we chat again, have a blessed and powerful week.